the end conclusion is that women who are exposed to these medications are 20% more likely to have a baby with a significant birth defect. That sounds really high. Which sounds, yeah. One in five sounds very high. back to the chemist confessions podcast i'm gloria i'm victoria and this is a human conversations on all the skincare science we talk about yeah this is going to be a very interesting <laughs> episode we should update life update as to uh, probably just go ahead and explain um today's topic is about pregnancy and skincare <gasps> and I guess, yes, why are we talking about this? It's because I am recently pregnant and the podcast people are going to be the first people finding this out. Holy crap. You know what's so <laughs> funny is a couple episodes ago when we relaunched the season, yeah. we got an email that's like, oh, you know, I'm so glad the podcast is back. Mm -hmm. By the way, y'all haven't been drinking. <laughs> yes. So to those people who have been asking where the cocktails went, y'all already knew. <laughs> Yep. Y'all uh, are good. <laughs> yeah, I am just not drinking in solidarity. Yeah, I'm not she's pregnant. Been very supportive. <laughs> but drinking solo is also kind of sad. It, it's not fun. <laughs> and also drinking mocktails while Gloria drinks the real stuff is also not that fun. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's what spurs on this topic. Um, it's going to be a little different this time. You might feel like it's a little bit of both the claims and a little bit of meat. And mm. that's because it's a can of worms. But we're going to get into it because we've been asked this so many times. I feel I, like we've been dancing away from it for yes. so long. We're and always now like, that... consult your doctor, consult your doctor. Yeah, touch your hands. Yeah. And you'll see why very soon. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. But before we get into that, we should do a brand update. Um, we should talk about the sunscreen challenge we're going to soon wrap. Yeah. You guys will have seen a bunch of reels in the past month mm -hmm. on us using a UV camera to test all sorts of sunscreen. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it's been really fun for us too. It was mm -hmm. one of those like, oh, well, we get asked a lot about sunscreen reviews and sometimes it's kind of hard to give a very fair assessment or recommendation without putting really them hard. like head to head yeah. and like doing like a run like this. Yeah. And it was great. Yeah, I think the rating part was really interesting. I think because this is our first trial, it's kind of evolved as we tested them out. For sure. So... Yeah, and because we tested 30, mm -hmm. we're definitely going to dedicate the next episode to reviewing all of our trials and kind of going through some of the things we learned. Because even though we test a lot of sunscreens, I think this is the first time we've done like true head to head. Yeah, and it's really tough. And to Victoria's point, I, I definitely felt like my rating system as the yeah. test went on yeah. got a lot more strict and also there's some um pro products i test in the very beginning yeah. that i end up thinking about it. i was like you know what that deserves an extra start because it didn't have these attributes that these other sunscreens did yes totally and it got confusing for me because i was thinking well asian sunscreen versus u.s sunscreen Ooh. versus water resistance do they get graded on the same level i don't really know so. i think that for me was the toughest one it's like yeah. there's a couple that i tested that i was like this is really good for certain reasons mm -hmm. but i felt like the claims kind of overstepped that a yep. little bit yeah totally so look forward to that in our next episode all right next uh we also have been traveling so yes chemists have fun too. We're not always in the lab. <laughs> Don't you say it in such an 
unconvincing way. You don't we're, believe us? We're really fun at parties. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> you're right, you're right. I had zero gusto behind <laughs> We can be fun and social. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so while we were at NYSCC, we got to hang out with a few of our, I want to say just like social media friends or yeah. how do you put it? One of my favorite things about this chemist confession journey is meeting other like-minded people in yeah. this field. You know, either people that started content way before us or people who are also new to the field but like-minded and wanting to spread, you know, just sound science, more ingredient focus and just highlights on chemists all around. I also think it's, it's always the feeling is always when you meet the person in real life. I think both parties are like, "Wow, a real human being." You're real. <laughs> yeah. You're not AI generated, yeah. but <laughs> you're not just an I IG DM message. So yeah. yeah, it was a lot of fun. We got to, I guess, shout out to uh, Lisa from the experiment and Javon. We got to do a panel with them, so that was really cool. And that was hosted by Jen at the Eco Well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got to also have a fun little dinner with uh, Leah Yu behind Crave Beauty. We got to finally meet Charlotte, who's behind Soko Glam and Then I Met You. And then also Alex from the Educated Mess, who's also a like-minded chemist. So Also other Charlotte from Dew. So it was a really good crowd. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. I feel like because... We never ran the IG to be influencers. Mm-hmm. We never, I think this is really the first time we've got to like hang out as like influencers together. <laughs> and it's actually kind of fun. Like yeah. I, I feel like for us who like always feel like imposters who don't have personal Instagrams, we're always like, oh, we don't belong. <laughs> and I will say one of the things I was very pleasantly surprised by is I felt like everyone was very much them, right? Yeah. Like who you see on these accounts are just yeah. who they are in real life. Yeah. Don't they feel the same way about us? <laughs> they're, they're probably like, nah. They're probably like, nah, yo, they're weird. Gloria, I'm a Kevin Confessions, whack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, but anyway, so that's what we've been up to. And then aside from that, we are running a promo for World Day Weekend. Yep, we wanted to kick off summer skincare with maybe two very important but sometimes forgotten pieces i think everyone's always on market for their lightweight moisturizer or refreshing mist and of course sunscreen but one of the biggest staples most important staples your summer skincare is actually a solid cleanser and still don't forget to exfoliate during this time so the promo we're running is for every purchase of a full-size asset you get blank slate for half off so get this bundle um there's still time we were running this uh, we were running this campaign throughout the long weekend, but we realized that for podcast listeners, you might not catch wind of this until today, which is the Tuesday after. So we're extending the sale for the day. So please check it out on the website and use this promo code SUMMERDUO. Yeah. And then on top of that, we finally have a new promo code for podcast <laughs> listeners as well. Um, so no longer will you be using CC Podcast 2023. We wanted to give $5 off your order and please use a promo code chemist coin because you know nfts and or metaverse <laughs> and or yeah we're coin we're yeah so in so on trend it's okay. not an actual coin it's just a coupon code <laughs> <laughs> but we're getting there yeah so please use promo code chemist coin for five dollars off your order 
All right, let's time to get into the news because I think it's kind of fun. The first one I kind of, this is really for me to share with Gloria because I will explain through a little bit of context on how Gloria and I met. When we used to work at L'Oreal, Gloria and I actually worked on similar projects and the projects were in the customization or skincare customization space. I think OG fans like of Kevin's Confessions will have heard this rant a few times. I was going like, don't personalize it. And it's because we both, um, <laughs> let's just say it wasn't very fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't very fun formulation and just lots of issues all around. But I want to share with Gloria that the Ketchup King, Kraft Heinz, just revealed its latest Saucestrosity. That's an Their actual. Words, not yours. It's in the article. Yep. Oh. <laughs> a customizable dip dispenser with more than two hundred possible <laughs> combos, like jalapeno ranch or mango ketchup. So, yep. I just wanted her to know that personalization is spreading into the sauces. <laughs> You know what? <laughs> I kind of love this. <laughs> Victoria has seen me. I, I, <clears throat> I am weirdly brave when it comes to food. I can be picky. Like there's very can few confirm. things in the world that I love, <laughs> but I will try anything once. Can confirm. Just about anything. Yeah. Victoria has witnessed me. <laughs> so we go back to Taiwan. My family's from Taiwan. I go there a lot. And if you have never been... Taiwanese people are known for coming up with really weird combos just to do it, <laughs> just to innovate. Creativity, always innovating. Honestly, you can't fault them for that. In Nari sushi, why not put cashews in it? Because you can. <laughs> Does yeah. it taste good? <laughs> Salmon sashimi, why not roll it in a little bit of Caesar and dill and eat it See like where that. it goes. <laughs> She has seen, seen me pick up many of those things. I was just like, oh, I wonder what it tastes like. <laughs> <laughs> the success rate is sitting right around 30%. <laughs> I would say, yeah, that's yeah. a good, good. <laughs> And I, I can imagine these 200 possible combos. I would probably guess the success rate is about the same, about 30%. Yeah, so I there's another chemist there that we love to bond with and say, <laughs> we know what you have been through. So, yeah. I'm anyways. also really curious how they trial it. Like, I'm sure, like, they're just, like, they want it to sound really, like, dramatized. I'm mm-hmm. sure there's, like, some marketer that's, like, I need at least 100 combos. <laughs> and then the R&D people are, like, okay, like, you don't got, it doesn't got to taste good, right? <laughs> <laughs> just throw the whole library on it. Yeah, and the whole marketing made just a pile of fries. <laughs> yeah. Not the worst. Yeah. Honestly, not the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, anyways, that's the first piece of news. The second one I thought was interesting because it feels like a more beauty adjacent piece of news. And this is from basically the French Parliament's lower chamber recently passed a bill that aims to ban influencers from promoting cosmetic surgery on social media while making it mandatory for them to label the images when filtered or photoshopped. Oh, I think that's so good. Yes. Oh, my God. So necessary. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I actually think, so, obviously with our algorithm, we don't get fed that stuff a lot, Mm -hmm. but it is really out of hand and really sad in a way. Yes. So, we all know social media is like this dual-edged sword. It definitely gets carried away, especially it definitely hits at your, I guess, um, 
I guess, confidence level, mm -hmm. your insecurity. So I really like this as well. I wanted to share it. Yeah. I feel like the U.S. is always kind of lagging behind when totally. it comes to that kind of regulation. Totally. What was the other thing that we learned about where um, certain derms in regions cannot actually promote um, skincare? Oh, yeah. I oh, forget where, but there's different regulations for certain countries and and especially with advertising. I remember that. I think it was the um, it was somewhere european i forgot if it's the eu or the uk yeah. but we kind of heard that they're not allowed to promote certain products like yes. it's almost like anti kind of like your pharmaceutical sales rep culture yes. that's like very much kind of a no-no there yeah. that can kind of go into the germ recommendations you see on social media yes. a lot too but actually in other countries that's like kind of taboo yes so, yes yeah. so that's another area where i'm like yeah i hate to say it some doctors get too carried away here uh -huh. with some of their messaging and what they're pushing. So that would be something I would love to see, too. Yep. One more thing. There, you guys probably always wonder why certain ads uh, can get away with saying certain things. And I think Gore and I always like to tell you that it's because they're probably too small to be on the FDA and FTC's radar. So... It always feels like there's this like lack of justice, um, mm -hmm. but I did want to share that recently a brand has been flagged. This is in the UK. So what happened is that the UK's Advertising Standards Authority has ordered a natural deodorant brand called Wild to pull an ad that claimed that competing deodorants or antiperspirants cause skin irritation, worsen body odor, and were harmful to health. Wow, today's news is just feel, filled with feel-good moments, <laughs> new law from the French Parliament, da, 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 da. advertise agency, <laughs> mango ketchup, <laughs> sky's the limit. <laughs> yeah, it's a good day. So, you know, I thought this was great. They actually, um, the ad was flagged and had aired on the brand's website and YouTube. And it actually was trying, the ad itself was targeting aluminum salts saying that they're harming users and so they had the ad pulled and so i'm like if you ever feel like there's no but like it's just this lawless land that like nobody governs i feel like this is kind of that little piece to know that there are people trying it's just there's too much out there yeah for sure it's like whack-a-mole right yeah, with these wild totally. claims at least there's like some movement yeah and hopefully that gives you peace of mind about aluminum deodorants mm -hmm. they're actually the only thing that still wor that works yeah mm -hmm. so all right then one last piece of news for Gloria. Remember how last episode we talked about metaverse and NFTs? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Urban Decay oh. is releasing 18 virtual makeup looks in Roblox. Oh, what? <laughs> oh my god, what? Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Roblox is that very distinct moment in my life <laughs> that I realize I am now not of the cool generation anymore. <laughs> Um, all my nieces and nephews mm -hmm. are on Roblox and they love it. And they gave me a primer and they made me download it and they want me to create my avatars so I can play with them and stuff. What? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, like, what do you do? I don't, I really don't Roblox. get it. So uh, they they made me make my avatar. Okay. And then they're like, okay, now you can go visit your friends. I'm like, well, I don't have friends. They're like, well, you can go make friends. I was like, okay. So I was like, running around, you can chat with players. Can and kids meet other kids they've never met? I 
I don't know. <laughs> okay. So, so the thing is, like, once I signed up, they're like, "Oh, okay, you can add. We can add each other's friends, and then we're hanging out in the same metaverse." But then there are strangers there too. But I don't know who's there or how. It's a geofence. It's a randos. I don't really understand. But like, and then they're like, "Oh, you can play games." And I remember there was a game. I didn't know what I was doing. It was just like a combination of like little games you can play. I think there was a game that was a little bit like candy crushing the mechanics. Okay, okay. And then they're like, okay, now you can have a chicken. I was like, well, why do I want a chicken? They're like, you just want a chicken. I don't get it. I don't understand. I might be butchering the game mechanics completely. This is literally like my niece walking me through it. Some and I was kid so confused. listening to this is like, you're ruining the game. Yeah, you're like, this is like watching grandma explain like Facebook or something. I I admit I don't get it. Like my one hour primer with my knees, I was like, why? <laughs> yeah. So well, Urban Decay likes Roblox, and yeah, you can get your. They have uh, eighteen virtual makeup looks. That That's you can actually kind of cute. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. It just feels <laughs> like did L'Oreal wake up one day and was like, we must enter the metaverse NFT. Video game realm. No, say it with a French accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so. oh, metaverse. I'm so sorry, French listener. I am so sorry. <laughs> yeah, so I just, I don't know. But anyways, it's still continuing, guys. If it's successful, I think it's really smart. Because, like, my nieces and nephew, when they taught me, they were like, seven mm -hmm. they're still playing roblox it's mm -hmm. still popular with kids so they must think like oh okay like now like these teen like pre-teens are starting to get to the age that they're interested in makeup so roblox that's where they're spending all their time right that's actually really smart also i was also thinking how kids a lot of kids probably aren't allowed to wear makeup until like a certain age mm, that's a good so point. it is kind of video games are a good gateway into mm. that especially with the kind of animation software that you can do nowadays actually that's a really good point that's always fun mm -hmm. and it's like ageless because i used to play this fighting game called soul caliber yeah and yes i did too yeah and in the fifth gen you can build your own character mm -hmm. and i spent an absurd amount of time mm -hmm. on like okay she's gotta have thunder thighs <laughs> <laughs> But a really, really big eye. No, I know we're talking about makeup, but you went. <laughs> well, I want her to kick ass. So she's gotta have the thigh. But I spent a certain amount of time customizing my character yeah. to never really play with her very much. It's the dressing up part that was really fun. Yeah, yeah totally agree. Okay, so um, oh, and then finally, uh, we have a little bit of a celebrity brand launch update. Oh snap! If you haven't heard already. It seems like Beyonce has teased a hair care line. Um, that is such a good fit. Yes, wow. yes. And it seems like it's there's not a lot of info on it. It sounds like she's been inspired by the artist's experiences in her mother's salon. So we're not really sure what that is, but they're thinking it's going to be more prestige hair Ooh. care. And Gloria and I can definitely tell you that prestige or actually even just hair care alone is exploding. It is the category right now. Um, makeup's back. Mm -hmm. I think it's like trying to get back on track, but I feel like hair care is the one with like the most new brands, new launches. And just a stat for you is that 
Um, just last year, they've noticed that prestige hair care sales have increased by 11%, wow. while mass has grown by 7%. And this is just, oh, excuse me, this is just in the first quarter of this year. Wow. Yeah. So it's definitely the perfect time. And um, I don't know. I'm excited. Do you think we'll dabble a little bit more in hair care products? No. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon? <laughs> I, I, too quickly? <laughs> I know, I think it's very real because I, I see, I guess, served a lot of ads yeah. on, on hair care because it's such a hot category yeah. right now. And I'm still like, whatever Costco has on sale, man. Like, there, was that's a, my thing. there was a YouTube comment that asked us about our hair routine. <laughs> And I felt so bad because like I'm so sorry, but like we both use drugstore brands, and I really felt like her LOL was like an LOL of pity. It was like, like, like like, no, it was more like, oh, that's okay. Drugstore brands can be good. It was like kind of like a that. It's okay. (laughs) Oh, you use like you only use Cerebate. Well, that's pretty decent. (laughs) Yeah. So, anyways, that's our hair expertise i have used lux hair products in yeah. the past before yeah. they have always been gifts <laughs> <laughs> yeah so anyways all right so that's the end of the news can you tell we are avoiding going into the core do, of do, the episode can't avoid anymore let's decode that claim <laughs> all right let's do it so today's claims focus is going to be about pregnancy and skincare. Uh, it's a can of worms we're just gonna come out and say it because we get a lot a lot of questions like this all the time about our own products like is your product pregnancy safe or about any product they're using saying hey is my routine okay for pregnancy for a long time and this still sounds true neither of us are doctors so Mm -hmm. we just say regardless of what we say you should confirm with your health your care provider to double check and now that Victoria's pregnant, we're like, okay, fine, fine, fine. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> dig into this can of worms a little bit and hopefully help you guys understand why it's such a can of worms. And I think Gora can comment about how, like, she see me, like, pull my hair out because I have never felt, like, knowing so little yeah. going into a very significant life change. It's almost shocking, like, how, like, bear the data is out there yes and even for someone who is you know neck deep in the stem i just Mm -hmm. feel like it's 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 been hard for me to understand where is it actually true like a hard truth or this is still just like general guidance that doesn't have you know it's just general sentiment so to preview it's a lot of gray area. Yeah. There's very little hard truth here. Yeah. So I did want to paint a picture for you guys. You think that, you know, pregnancy and skincare or just pregnancy in general is like a gray area. Well, the research world is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took basically two pieces of, I guess, two lines from different journals so that you guys can have an idea of this spectrum. Because what you'll soon realize is that you can take a very conservative approach or a very liberal approach. And both are okay because you're the mom and you get to make that decision. So from the Canadian Family Physician Journal, they write that with the exception of hydroquinone, which has a relatively high systemic absorption rate, and tretinoin, for which the evidence is controversial, 
These products act locally and therefore produce minimal systemic levels. Consequently, in most cases, women can deal with these cosmetically unappealing skin conditions without compromising the safety of their unborn children. So cosmetically this be- unappealing. <laughs> Thanks, Canada. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this, we would say this is a very liberal approach mm-hmm. to the world of skincare, and it's backed by a physician, like a physician journal. So that should give you an idea of one end of the spectrum. In another journal, they actually are incredibly more a lot more conservative where they actually want to look at endocrine disruptors in pregnancy. There's a stat that I wanted to share that I thought was interesting, which is 55% of the women considered cosmetics use as a risk during pregnancy, and 65% would have appreciated advice about these products, which I feel like, yeah. That's exactly I, I feel like the underlying message here is also no one, even physicians, want to comment on mm-hmm. it. <laughs> totally. Our findings indicate that all perinatal health professionals should be ready to advise women about the benefits and risks of using cosmetics during Ooh. pregnancy. <laughs> this is exactly what Gloria was saying. <laughs> yeah. And one of their kind of conclusions was, and the reason why they have a camp of taking a more conservative stance is because pregnant women are particularly vulnerable to the potential risks of the endocrine disruptors contained in cosmetics. First, cosmetics use is far more common among women than men. Second, pregnancy is a vulnerable time for the development of the embryo and fetus because of their immature metabolism. Now, you know us. We talk about endocrine disruptors in skincare all mm-hmm. the time and how that it's not a worry. But there is a body of, of researchers that look at the cumulative effect of certain ingredients and that add up and how that might affect the pregnant woman because her hormones are just all over the place. And it, yeah. And you should know that um, there's a lot of ongoing research, right? So yeah. this is an area where... The jury is definitely still out. And like Victoria said, it's a cumulative effect of not just from your cosmetics, your day-to-day life, everything that you're exposed to. So during this time, yeah, well, the jury is still out. Like, I feel like I would probably personally lean a little bit closer to the conservative side. I think that's fine. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, and you'll start to see it more as we discuss, is that because so little has been tested on pregnant women. Shockingly little. <laughs> yeah, you will, f- it's okay to basically want to be that careful. Yeah. And should you find yourself feeling like, you know what, I'm just not gonna deal with any of it. My child comes first. That's okay. And if you're like, you know what, there's historically people have been using this products while they're pregnant for a long time and I think it turned out fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Still use my deodorant, you know, like Mm -hmm. that's also fine too. So hopefully that gives you an idea of the spectrum and how we all kind of fall somewhere in the middle-ish. Yes. Yeah. So that's the state of the research. Thank you for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) And with that. (laughs) And with actually, so Knowing all of this and the context of the research, we have to share with you the claim, and the claim is actually from Biosance. If you were to Google pregnant safe skincare, you will see a sponsored post by Biosance, 
where the title of it basically labels themselves as pregnancy safe skincare. And then it falls with 100% vegan and EWG certified, verified. The kind of annoying thing about it is that if you click on pregnancy safe skincare, it takes you to the main page where you can purchase retinol. So there's like very little guidance on why they're pregnancy safe. For those of you who are not aware, retinol is probably one of the first ingredients that gets flagged. The whole vitamin A category. Yeah, gets flagged for um, pregnancy. We'll get into a little bit more, but this is why this claim and why a lot of, why we find a lot of pregnancy safe skincare claims to be very problematic. Totally. And there's no regulation. There's no, the FDA does not have a hand in what gets labeled as pregnancy safe. This is all based on the brand and I guess how confident they feel in their skincare being pregnancy, breastfeeding safe and all those labels that they use, which is so irresponsible. Yep. (laughs) Uh, With that said, I guess we should kind of go into how these ingredients or not even skincare, how drugs in general are categorized during uh, during pregnancy. Now, the way the FDA does a system the labels have changed, but it's still a pretty relevant talking point because it, it, the change came pretty recently in 2015 yeah. and it's a gradual phase out. So you might still hear lingo like a category A, B, C versus D and X drugs um, when you're pregnant. And this yeah. is not just skincare ingredients. We're talking about everything from allergy meds to yeah. aspirin, um, a lot of even things you don't even think about, like your cold medicine, they have Uh, this rating that's in Mm -hmm. direct relation uh, with pregnancy. Yeah. And so how they break it down is, like Laura said, there is four or five categories. And we are just going to go through each category to give you an idea of how you can think about um, drugs, but also know that most skincare ingredients are not a drug and therefore have never been tested in that capacity to fall into any of these tiers this is just to give you an idea of the landscape and claims and how to navigate those claims so we'll start with the best category and that's category a these are a controlled uh these are ingredients or drugs that have controlled studies in women fail to demonstrate a risk to the fetus in the first trimester and there is no evidence of a risk in later trimester and the possibility of fetal harm uh, appears remote. So that means this has been tested on humans, and we are almost like 99.9% certain that at no stage in your pregnancy can this drug negatively affect your fetus. Fun fact, there are no <laughs> drugs in category A. <laughs> who's going to test on pregnant women? <laughs> and no one wants to do that. So we're talking about even man- vanilla things like Tylenol, aspirin, None of them, or even <laughs> Pepsid, they're not category A. They're at best category B drugs. Yep, so that's where we're starting. <laughs> so yeah, you you might get to the definition. You're like, oh, okay, so during pregnancy, all I got to do is only use category A drugs. Got it. Sorry, <laughs> no category A drugs. And I do have to follow with a funny side story is because Victoria is the in-house pregnant lady. <laughs> I <laughs> let her do the first pass of the research and then I was going through her notes and do my own homework. So I Google category A drugs 
And then Google decided to tell me that category A drugs are heroin, methadone, cocaine, <laughs> ecstasy, <laughs> magic like, mushroom. Um, I was like, if you're pregnant, I'm pretty sure these are not the same pregnant women. So the FDA is smoking crap. <laughs> holy crap. Be specific on Google. <laughs> you're looking for drugs. <laughs> Come. Anyway, cool. category so, B. Let's move on to category B then. So for category B, these drugs will usually have animal reproduction studies that have failed to demonstrate a risk to the fetus, and there are no adequate and well-controlled studies in pregnant women. Um, so yes, animal testing. Yeah, I know, but you'd rather that or pregnant women. So we, last year we dabbled a little bit yeah. in research of like animal-based reproduction safe studies. Didn't go through it's with it, just wild. did the homework. It's really wild. So usually it's not just about feeding pregnant mice these drugs, you know, like it, there's a lot to be done, right? First of all, like what is the dosing level you're aiming yeah. for? And then how many generations are you following to yeah. see if their defects are passed down? Like yada, yada, yada. Yeah. It can be very extensive, but then the takeaways can still be we don't 100% how these animal reproductive models translate to human reproductive yeah. models. Yeah. So, and with knowing that, so I also want to say this is kind of, I can see why the FDA had to change this kind of category tiering because you'll realize it's very lacking. A lot of this really only scratches the surface of what they can, you're basically just getting an initial snapshot. Mm -hmm. And usually a study like this would cause you to research further. So like using this as like a slap on a category b is not that informative actually it's kind of risky but we will say that the good thing about what they've done here is that we do get a sense of certain ingredients in the acne realm Mm -hmm. Um, so for those of you that are curious in category b you will find that azelaic acid falls here as a pregnant woman with acne i cannot tell you how difficult acne has been for me if you've noticed my skin has been atrocious recently yes it's the baby she's doing this to me (laughs) i've gone back to my teenage years so anyway so azelaic acid uh actually two antibiotics erythromycin and clindamycin um and then another one that i thought was strange was ahas because i saw it get listed as a category b in some journals but I actually don't didn't find any like actual statements that these ingredients are actually category B. So that also got me a little worried. <laughs> oh yeah, that's really interesting. And a lot of these things, like when we were doing research, it just feels like again on the drug side, mm-hmm. it's much better reference and mm-hmm. and a lot of it is like owned by these giant drug companies. Mm-hmm. So if Pepsid says Pepsid is category B or C, I forgot which one it's in, or like Tylenol is category B. There is a company very responsible for that statement and that yes. categorization. That's where you know where to find the data. Yeah. With these skincare ingredients or these, uh, it's just not very well well documented. No. Yeah. No. It's not on the radar. I got more drugs to to filter out than skincare or topicals. So I did want to give everyone like a little bit of context. So Tylenol, like Gloria said, is a category B. There's a lot of allergy medicines that are category B, and that's like the best you're going to get. So if that gives you an idea of where that stands in terms of azelaic acid in your skincare, we would say it's definitely okay. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Advil is not a category B, so don't use Advil when you're pregnant. When you're pregnant, I learned that the hard way. So, <laughs> anyways, all right. So that's category B. Category C, we have to say, is a wild, wild west. Category C's definition is drugs that have not been shown to be harmful to fetuses. If they have been, if they have been, they wouldn't be category C.、Mm-hmm. However, there are some reasons to be more concerned about these drugs in ca- than category B drugs. If the pregnant patient will benefit from category C drug, it is generally used. Although most OBs would prefer a category B drug if it will give equivalently good results. <laughs> That's a lot like, of dancing. Do you feel like that description's like? It's okay. Uh, uh, I mean, maybe uh, not. Uh, but, but, uh, well, you should uh, use it. Asterisk, I don't know. <laughs> three asterisks. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's so many caveats. So generally speaking, when they said there are some reasons to be more concerned about, it could mean such a wide range of things. It could be from an animal model.、Mm-hmm. They show that maybe it's bad for. Mice reproduction,、mm-hmm. or they study on、um, actually, well, yeah, that's a lot of different animal tests that get、yeah. that flag these ingredients, or show that it's an endocrine disruptor or inter-、uh, interact with some kind of human hormone-like behaviors in one assay or another. Yeah, yeah. So I think the best example of a category C topical is tretinoin, and I'll explain why. So. We all know tretinoin. As soon as you think pregnancy, you're like, I gotta be off this. It's actually category C, but it is a can of worms itself because the data around it using topically is really lacking. There is, and I should give a shout out to Jackie from Natch Butte. She recommended me to read a book. This is by Emily Oster's. She,、uh, the title is Expecting Better. This author. I felt like really like speaks to Gloria and I because she writes from a very objective position where she's like, "Here is the data," and collectively, a lot of it's lacking, and then kind of in a way leaves it up to the reader to decide what that de- best decision would be. So she, I'm this is taking it straight out of her book, where she mentions a 2015 meta analysis that looks at. First trimester exposure to medications, including tretinoin, and they didn't find significant impact on birth defects. However, there isn't any data that actually says there's no effect at all. This is just like trying to pull data points from different sources.、Mm-hmm. And so, in a sense, especially in this category, the end conclusion is that women who are exposed to these medications are 20% more likely to have a baby with a significant birth defect. That sounds really high. Which sounds yeah, one in five sounds very high. Not in great at all, but that's kind of their default assumption is because it's controversial because there's no data. This is the kind of、uh, risk more, we're gonna give it at a category like a C. Conservative like approach, kind of like one、uh, in. Five. Yeah, exactly. So it's very strange, right? So there's no data to、mm. say that it could have an impact, but it's also because there's no that there hasn't been enough tested to know that. And I think that's the best way to explain this category in general. It's very confusing. It's confusing. There's not a lot of like firm takeaways. Um, but at this risk level, I will say it it, it does make. Most pregnant women will probably feel kind of like no one wants to hear your baby has a one in five chance、yeah. of getting significant birth defect. It's almost like it's almost saying like, "Well, I let you know the risk," and it sounds like 
it doesn't sound very unlikely at all. Yeah, and I will tell you that I love my OBGYN who's been helping me through this whole pregnancy. When I told him that I was having major acne issues, he told me, oh, that's okay. Just find a good cleanser. So, <laughs> <laughs> Have you thought about washing your face? <laughs> and when I heard that, I was like, oh, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but I just feel like, you know, it's I feel the pain of a doctor as well, mm-hmm. because like that's not really it's it's just this whole nother realm of complexity that they're like, that's not even the issue. You yeah. Know? And, yeah. you know, I, I think a lot of them sometimes they don't have the best. They can't always point you to the best solution as mm-hmm. well. So, no. yeah. I will say this is where you'll find and this this is where Victoria has been struggling a lot with her pregnancy breakouts is a lot of common acne topicals are considered to be uh, category C. Mm -hmm. So BPO, Mm -hmm. cell acid, which is a surprising one because it's so common Mm -hmm. and it's almost deemed as vanilla, but it's recently kind of been placed in category C. Mm -hmm. Hydroquinone and like the quote Victoria read earlier, even though it's in category C, it's probably leaning towards the side of no because it has such uh, much higher absorption rate than other ingredients. And also oral zinc. Yeah, and I wanted to add to the hydroquinone part is they deem it a category C because of the higher absorption rate, but it doesn't necessarily mean they've done the testing to know is that higher absorption rate bad. So <laughs> this should tell you uh, that... This is the state of category C. Not every drug has the same level of testing to say yeah. yay or nay. Mm-hmm. And the reasons aren't always consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, salicylic acid, what I could find that would deem it at category C is because like, if you use it at extremely high levels, you can get a salicylate poisoning. Mm-hmm. And they, anyways, I think the, the challenge behind that is just that they're all... Some of them, like BPO, can't really find a reason why it would be deemed a category C. Mm-hmm. But sal acid is like for a very specific circumstance, whereas hydroquinone is because it absorbs differently. So the, the, I think this whole realm for me personally going through it is like, yeah, I'll probably just stay away from that whole realm. I yeah, think just not dabble in exactly. it. Why risk it? Exactly. You know, like there's no testing. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's category C. And then we get to category D. Category D um, are drugs that have significant risk. They should only be used during pregnancy. <laughs> this is actually a really funny statement. They should be used during pregnancy only when the alternatives are worse. <laughs> wait, you're, wait, so there Every, is a situation. Everyone is just like, if worse. Yeah. If worse. <laughs> wait, so there is a situation where you might have to use a category D drug? Well, that doesn't make people feel very good. Yeah, exactly. And then there's category X, which just should not be used during pregnancy at all. Yeah, we should quickly mention that category D isn't very relevant in the realm of skincare, mm-hmm. so we kind of gloss that over. Mm-hmm. But there are a few well-known ingredients that is category X in skincare. Yep. And the most famous one is Accutane. Mm-hmm. And actually, Accutane is part of the main reasons why other vitamin A S categories like retinol and all the retinoid family gets flagged because this one is a proven no-no. Yep, and that's exactly why 
if you are on Accutane, you have to be on birth control. Mm -hmm. um, and then another one that I think we should flag is Tazerotine or Tazarac. That's another one that's also category X. Mm -hmm. And that's really it. Those are all the real like topical ingredients that have any sort of info behind it or in terms of pregnancy and skincare. Which means for all these brands touting pregnancy safe, the, how? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why I think um, sometimes we get people that ask about our products, whether it's not whether or not it's pregnancy safe. All you can say is is the truth, which is we um, other than cell acid, we don't use any uh, and retinol. We don't use any ingredients that's kind of been flagged as pregnancy questionable. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you should still be absolutely checking with your health mm -hmm. provider and see like how conservative you want to take with your skincare ingredients. And these are the main active ingredients. Yeah. When you're talking about the full library of skincare ingredients, the reality is there's no data. There yeah. just isn't. So, yeah. yeah. So I think for Gore and I, when we went through this topic, we really... I think, at least for me, I, I do really feel for first-time pregnancies navigating mm. this world, it feels lonely and confusing and easily can feel like so in somehow, some way, you are doing something that's affecting your kid. And so I think we've always felt like it's always your choice. It should never be any, don't let anybody else tell you, um, except for your doctor, of course, that you know, what is the best stance to take in terms of skincare? Um, like I said, it can be very liberal as in like, I've been, you know, what's funny, we didn't even talk about retinol. Oh, yeah. yeah. So like for something like retinol, right? It's, this is where the whole vitamin A class gets deemed as bad for pregnancy. But you can see that even within the retinoid molecules, there's tears and retinol hasn't even been tested. Yeah. And so- the general stance is like, should you be using it? Eh, it's it's a derivative that's removed. And, you know, on some sense, it's like, how bad is it going to be? But then also it's like, why even try? So that's kind of like the state of it is. And there's no really good definite answer. I will say, I think throughout all of this, if if you're concerned, you want to take a more conservative approach. Again, if you are acne prone, definitely mm -hmm. look at those ingredients first because they tend to be the ones that gets flagged as recovered. Totally. Uh, and then the second thing is just go with a very minimalistic routine. Yeah. One of the big areas that people are looking into is just the cumulative effects of all these ingredients that may or may not have an effect on your body. Yeah. So during this time, it might be a good approach might be just less is more and instead of having 20 steps just minimize it to your cleanse some protection and moisturize and that's it on that note um we should mention that we will come out with a blog that summarizes all of our thoughts and we will also include a couple references because while in the u.s it doesn't really feel like it's on their radar, but in the EU, they are definitely looking, they have a much bigger push to look at this for pregnant women. Um, so we have a few references oh. that we would love to share. That's looking at even things like sunscreen filters. So look for that to come. And then Gloria also reminded me, we need to talk about Bakuchil, Bakuchil. Because that is probably the number one touted pregnancy safe alternative 
for no reason. Yeah, <laughs> not tested. It's not in category anything because there is no, there are no tests whatsoever. No, I don't know how. Don't know how they came up with that. Yeah, it's just like it, it's innocent because they claim it's innocence because there's no data,、mm-hmm. but still positioned to act like a red noise. Yeah. Yeah. No. No bueno here. <laughs> <laughs> so if you are trying to navigate pregnancy and skincare. First of all, don't buy into grand sweeping claims that、mm-hmm. a brand is pregnancy safe.、Mm-hmm. It's never how that is.、Mm-hmm. I can only tell you from personal anecdote. I've only done things. It's a little whimsy for me. Obviously, I've been using all the sunscreens,、mm-hmm. so I'm all for sun protection. I think. My general guideline is things that you might find naturally in your body. I feel like are generally fine. So、mm. for me, like the vitamin C's, fine. You know, probably in navigating acne, I don't use BPO. I don't use sal acid. But I have been trialing some of the phage technology that we talked about in the acne episodes、mm-hmm. because phages are pretty common to our skin. So I was like, yeah, that's probably a good time. You might also be thinking about some of the hypochlorous acid sprays.、Um, yeah, I'm not doing that because I just I, it's very new and I don't really know. So that's like my personal anecdote to all of this is, and also for me, I just see like acne is not the priority here, and I've gotten over it. When I was a teenager, I'm sure I'll get over it again. <laughs> Is my general stance. So that's if that's helpful to anybody in figuring all this out. Hang in there. We know it's probably in a way. I feel like it's maybe not what people want to hear.、Yeah. I I wish we could come on and say, hey, here are these pregnancy safe skincare you can use and call it a day. But that's just not where the state of things are. Yeah. So yeah, just hopefully. This paints a better picture for everyone, and you feel like you can make the best decision possible for yourself during this time. So, Gloria,、mm. being on the not pregnant side of things, how do you feel about all this? You know, <laughs> I I feel like I, <laughs> you know, on top of skincare, we get a lot of like when you have people in your life that starts getting pregnant, and you learn more about this time, you realize. Like there's the jury's out for like everything. Yeah. yeah. Things from drinking coffee. Yeah. Absolutely no alcohol. Well, my little cup is okay. <laughs> <laughs> But it really depends on when you drink it. I have、yeah. so many friends that didn't know they were pregnant. Yeah. And then they'll go out and party. And then when they、that、find, <laughs> yep. I have another friend that's like, holy shit, I blacked out. <laughs> And, and then I found out three weeks later that I've been pregnant for a month, but I had no idea,、yeah. and they're like freaking out.、Yeah. And and then the doctor said, "Yeah, that happens. Yeah, you're probably <laughs> gonna be okay." But just like, I, honestly, I kind of take the realm of, you know what? I am a firm believer in happy moms make better babies.、Mm. Just try not to stress so much. I know、yeah. it's annoying here for everyone's like, "Well, don't stress. You shouldn't stress." But it is a stressful time in your life. So at the end of the day, just try to like keep zen and. And that's it. That's all I can say. It's really tough. <laughs> I think that's such a good point. Is hopefully I know we basically the theme of this episode is that there's too many unknowns. Yeah. There's so much that's not tested. I think if you walk away feeling stressed, don't.、Mm-hmm. Um, topicals. They're probably the least of the worries. Yeah. I, 
for me, I don't worry if I, let's say, if I accidentally wash my face with sal acid or put a topical, I'm not going to be freaking out, you know? Um, so hopefully you guys feel the same way and know that it's the topical delivery mechanism is very, it's a lot more, uh, what am I going to say? The topical delivery method is very different than a lot of the data that comes from oral. So just um, hopefully that will give you some peace of mind that you shouldn't, this is not something to be super, super stressed about. Yeah. Hang in there. <laughs> and we're going to wrap this up. Yeah. So let's wrap this up. Hopefully this was helpful. And then let's wrap this up with one Q&A question. Uh, okay. This comes from our Instagram. Mm hmm one of our followers, I really loved what she wrote, but this is what she says. Today, I listened to a podcast about skincare and scientific proof of efficacy, and it made me so sad as the conclusion was that basically nothing works except for tretinoin because nothing can penetrate the skin due to the molecule being too big or not fat soluble. Are we all just wasting our time here by doing a this surface work and not having long term impact? Ooh, this is such a good question. I really like this. <laughs> there is actually a lot to unpack here. Yes. So, uh, first things first. Ingredients that are not fat soluble slash the surface level thing, that is a thing, right? So a lot of what chemist um chemist does is you know you have to make sure that your active ingredients are solubilized and stable. There's a lot of bioavailability theories and studies and a lot of work that goes into how do you maximize an active ingredient. You can pack it in an emulsion system. There are liposomes, there are encapsulations, there are just, or it doesn't matter based on clinical tests. So for example, vitamin C is a classic. Ascorbic acid is water soluble. And time and time again, it's been demonstrated in clinical uh, in clinical tests to have efficacy. So then that gets to the second layer of the question, which is, are we just doing surface work? Well, we can only say we're doing <laughs> surface work because of, you know, regulations. Hello, FDA. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're closing ears a little bit. The way a skincare ingredient usually gets validated, there's a couple, there's a lot of tests that goes behind it. You might have in vitro test where they're, um, the ingredients tested for, for antioxidant capacity, for example, and then maybe it's tested directly on, say, your skincare cells. And those tests, and this is why Victoria and I always harp on, these tests are step one, right? If they work on a Petri dish on your skincare cells, that's promising, but that doesn't mean that when you apply it on your skin, it's getting to those cells, because the cells that's tested can be deeper in the skin, right? Then at the end of the day, we always have to refer back to clinical evidence. And there's a lot there that we can do. And for us, uh, a lot of these ingredients that, you know, this podcast may have referred to as it doesn't work. There are a lot of clinical evidence that says otherwise. Yeah. The truth always lies somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. This is a, quite a grand sweeping statement. Mm -hmm. Gloria is absolutely right. Anything that, uh, let's say any topical that manipulates anything below the stratum corneum is considered a drug. There's certain lingo that if you use that basically changes skin morphology, it would be considered flagging as a drug. And this is actually more sweeping than you might think. So mm -hmm. something very common is like 
boost collagen production. Mm-hmm. You're technically not supposed to say that. Yeah, exactly. So, but I also should say there are some ingredients that get touted as anti-aging that are truly too big and will not penetrate. For example, collagen is the best example of that. So hopefully that makes you feel better. Your skincare can work. Brands just can't tell you sometimes how they're working for yeah. you. And there's enough clinicals out there to show you that there is a long-term benefit. It just takes a lot of time. And Gordon, I can tell you there is a piece of our formulation work where it we just basically try to optimize mm-hmm. the penetration of some of these ingredients for better efficacy. Um, so that's <laughs> the whole picture. Yeah. And I do want to highlight one last piece of this is there also isn't anything wrong with doing quote-unquote surface work. Yeah. For example, hydration, you're maintaining your strand corneum, yeah. actually a very important part of skincare. Another thing is your AHA, your exfoliation. Um, without using really high levels, you're just exfoliating you know, the top layers of your strand corneum, but that actually impacts your general skin health as a whole. So I would argue that surface work is actually also part of it as well. As age prevention. Yes. Totally agree. Awesome. All right, so that's the end of this episode. We hope it's helpful, at least painting a picture (laughs) um, in this realm and why Gordon and I have such a hard time with this category, answering questions on pregnancy. Um, Why we refuse to do this until one of us is actually (laughs) pregnant. Because what do we know? (laughs) Yeah, so anyways, we hope you enjoy it. Gloria, where can they find us? You can find us on our website at chemistconfessions.com. You can write to us at info at chemistconfessions.com. DM us on Instagram at chemist.confessions. <laughs> Comment on this video. Don't DM us on TikTok. We really don't look at that very often. <laughs> and we'll see you next week with our sunscreen reviews. Woo-hoo!